Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we love the films from our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we're discussing Flight of the Navigator. It was released in 1986, directed by Randall Kleiser, starring Joey Kramer, Paul Rubens, and Cliff DeYoung. This movie is about chrome spaceship that sounds like a popular 80s icon. Now, this is a fair warning. We're spoiling a 37-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it, we will be revealing key plot points. I think my first question for you both is, when was the last time you went to a dog frisbee show? <laughs> because if that wasn't the theme of the movie that I thought we were watching, what is? Have you? Is this something you partake in? Was it on like ESPN++++ and you ended up watching yeah, one of those? Joe. No? <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say from Dodgeball. <laughs> We we had a we had an opening that Bobby was creating a frustration point for you. Um, <laughs> they were doing a lot of fake outs, right? What were the fake outs? They wanted you to think that ordinary objects were UFOs. So they had the they had the very first shot of the flying like like a metallic frisbee flying from kind of far away, so you couldn't really see it very well. That it was a frisbee until they got closer and closer and closer, and then it was a frisbee, and then they did the same thing with a big shadow, and it turned out to be a blimp, and then they did it a third time with a water tower where you just kind of saw the top of a water tower, and it looked like a. But then I was sad they didn't just keep doing it the entire movie. <laughs> Wait, but I don't believe you. I just heard the but frustration like, in your voice, and then no, I, I actually like, wanted more. I was like, wow, they're really going for the whole spaceship thing. But it was almost like the tone of it was different. It was like, oh, the the spaceship is ominous and scary and stuff. And that wasn't this movie. What uh, what do they call them now? We don't call them UFOs anymore, right? UFOs. What do we call them? No, nobody uh, help me out. Oh, it's yeah. something different. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, someone will look that up while we're searching. We'll we'll continue on with our story. We meet our our hero, David Freeman, um, who really seems to have a interesting family dynamic. Sort of parents who are aloof who don't pay attention to their kids, and the little brother who's a bully to the older brother because he just wants to teach his dog how to play with frisbees. Was that was that anyone's family dynamic, Bobby? Were were you picked on by your younger sibling? <laughs> no, no, not so much. But I had a pretty big difference in age. I guess it was like five years, so it was a little bit much for that. But I was now you think of the the dog frisbee thing. I got to go yeah. back to that. Like, okay, yeah. So was that like his? the main character's idea to bond with his dog? Like, I'm confused why they were doing that. Because the rest of them were just in the stands watching him do that. So I'm inclined to think that it was like entirely his idea to make him think that he could do this whole thing. Do you mean like he convinced his family, let's go to the dog frisbee show? Yeah, basically. That's what yeah, it seemed like to me. that makes sense. To, to entertain him and give him, you know, some structure. You have to raise and take care of your dog. Remember, he had to feed the dog out of the frisbee at some point. So I guess that makes sense. And maybe that's why his brother was mad, because he was dragged to a frisbee dog show all day. I love that we're like getting into the weeds of how this family dynamic really is. They're just terrible to each other. Little brothers that jerk off. What do they call each other? Scuzzbutt? No, is that too cruel? Was it that? Scuzzbucket, I think. Oh, Scuzzbucket, yeah. See, Scuzzbutt feels, feels like something I would have said. <laughs> Did you find it, Matt? Is it UFO? Uh, is it UAP? 
Yeah, that's what it is. That's Which what we does call not it. roll off the tongue at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, what does that stand for? Oh, uh, An, unidentified aerial phenomenon. I'm, yeah, I'm something like totally that. Yeah. Just going with oh, it. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, un- yeah, unidef- no, no, uh, unidentified anomalous phenomena. Yeah. Oh. Very, wow, anomalous. Yeah. Um, so this movie is about UAPs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we see we see a kid who's clearly a very nice kid, right? And uh, trying to figure out his way, starting to like girls that got fireworks to light off because it's Fourth of July, and his brother was playing with his jerk friends, and he was being a jerk to to him. But he's got to go get him, and he's you know crossing train tracks with his with his uh, Australian Shepherd, and uh, and his brother scares him, and then he gets knocked out. He gets knocked out in little 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 ravine, and and then now all the shenanigans happen. You know, we talk about the family and that dynamic, and you know, he was kind enough to go get his brother. We jump ahead, but we don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. He wakes up, clearly concussed, and he goes home. And there's a big old surprise. Now I'm thinking back to to when I saw this as a kid, and talk about hitting on like being a kid and being afraid of losing your family, they leaned right. heavy on like the darkness of that part of it. Right. 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 I don't know that I like that so much. Yeah. Well, as a parent, I find that pretty disturbing. You know, like a parent's worst nightmare is to say, yeah, sure. You can go outside for a couple minutes and then not follow them outside and then never see them again. But isn't this one of those weird things where that is what we did as kids? Yeah, for sure. We no, went I, outside for a lot longer than a few minutes no, without I, any I remember, supervision. I remember being told by my parents, go outside. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just just go. Don't come back until dinner time or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And like, mm-hmm. granted, I was like a larger male. So like, I wasn't really, and I lived in like, a relatively nice area so like no one was worried about me like too much and I, i'm not the kind of guy that gets into trouble so to give, say, so you were the to, one sowing the chaos <laughs> to give my parents a little bit of credit but no they're like yeah just go outside just leave and don't come back until i just seeing the the fear i think i've definitely remember getting lost sometimes I, I remember getting lost at a mall as a kid and how terrifying that is to be away from your parents so could you imagine coming home and uh the people in your house are not the people that you know no that's 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 nightmare fuel right there i don't know why but i thought of back to the future too during mm-hmm. that scene when marty uh, comes back to the alternate 1985 and there's a whole different family like there um, it's funny because I don't know why I was expecting it to go even darker during this. No, really? Mm. Cause like his family was still fine. Right. Like they were, I mean, yeah, they were older, but, and they were living in, I guess a less nice house. I think it seems that way. Right. It seems like they moved, like they moved underneath the freeway, yeah. which is like never the best place to move to. Oh man. But I was borderline expecting like one of the parents to be gone or, you know, both the parents to be like, if, maybe if more time had passed, like mm-hmm. maybe it had been like 15 years, maybe the brother was the only one still alive. Was well, it weird when you saw the 
parents for the first time, their older version, was I the only one that thought maybe they were like using some substances? Ooh, no? Went straight there. Uh, <laughs> oh. And here's where but the darkness. This is, is our poor, like my poor adult mind that has been torn asunder that did not see that as a kid outside of being terrified of the idea of losing your family. I mean, it is, it is kind of like a trope in movies that, and I mean, maybe this is true for real life too that the couple doesn't last after that kind of thing right a la indiana mm-hmm. jones so spoiler no <laughs> i'm like whoa <laughs> dang dude. Maybe, this, maybe is re- re- this is re-review not <laughs> yeah, on, I, was, I was not ready for that one okay, um, um, the um the next key here is is he he reconnects with his family we had the weird you know introduction of there were missing posters. The police are like, look at the year that he went missing and, and really pointing out to us that well, he hasn't changed, but we're eight years into the future. Gets with his family and it's immediately, I guess we have to let him take tests to figure out what's going on. And what what felt so suspect to me was that they're like, oh, let's do memory tests. I'm like, why are you doing memory tests when you can clearly tell it's been eight years and this kid hasn't aged? I just, I was like, come on, come on, y'all. Well, so from so there's the two different halves, right? There's when he went to the normal hospital, mm-hmm. and then there's when he went to, for whatever reason, NASA. And <laughs> so you had the, the, yeah, I think, you know, because what was it? The brother had brought up uh, uh, hormones or something. Mm-hmm. Like that maybe it might have been a thing where like maybe he just, you know, it was a hormone thing or something that made him just not age. Like he's actually 20, but he just looks 12 still. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, that part was weird. It, and it felt kind of strange that, you know, it wasn't so much about um, a health check. It was to try to find no. answers. And like you would think after mm-hmm. eight years thinking your kid was dead, you'd be like, no, nah, he's not. He's not leaving the, the house. Like, there, right, for sure. There's yeah. no way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then it goes to the next level when NASA steps in and they're like, yeah, we want to try to find answers. At least that was kind of presented as like why all that stuff had kind of happened. Um but then, yeah, then all of a sudden NASA was the MIB version of NASA, I guess. Yeah, I, I <laughs> wish that NASA was more of like a benevolent, like, hey, we're here to help you kind of situation instead of like, yeah, the MIB, FBI, whatever they were, like giving NASA so, all sorts of like clandestine power. We're getting into the uh, the conspiracy nature of NASA in this film. Yeah. Yeah, th- this is the like fake moon landing, like we're like doctoring. Well, f- photoshop pictures nasa to be fair if you look at the era it's not unusual because i mean you had the same thing in like et in close encounters Mm. it wasn't unusual to see nasa have kind of this almost militant arm that kind of existed out there where they were going above and beyond and to be fair this was still the era of the cold war you know it was an era where you know you had this sense of uh especially in movies like these that featured aliens or whatever, you know, the idea of like there, there was no close contact or anything like that. Like it was very much in the sense of, you know, invasions. And I guess that's traditional for most alien movies. Shocking. That wasn't even a thing in this, the whole Mm -hmm. idea that it had like, no, no one on NASA's team ever seemed to have a fear that somehow this was going to end with the world ending or enslavement or anything that you would see in like, I don't know, a Roland Emmerich movie. Mm-hmm. And as we get into it, if you look at Max's motivation, 
it could very very much be world ending at some point here based on what he's doing to other civilizations well we'll get into that but this is, does give an opportunity to talk about technology as a whole yes. we are at the regular hospital and they're checking his brain waves and in that regular hospital they are now getting 3d printouts <laughs> on their screens because somehow he's able to take over oh what was it one of the texts was like oh he's sending binary code to our machines does that happen at a regular hospital? They got the the super IT guy there. It's because it's because the like whoever whoever created the navigator was like a highly intelligent species. So this is all that stuff is good. We don't have to question it because they explained it. it. They're just really smart. I love it when Bobby just <laughs> takes the movie in as a whole <laughs> and just believes in the premise that they present to you. They said they're just really smart. So there you go. Well, okay. Everything's explained now. We could we could jump back one skosh because we do get introduced to the ship, right? We have a like a like a rent a cop, (laughs) someone who was just patrolling, or a guard who's the one who finds it because it crashed into a tower. Um, What was your impression when you first saw the ship? I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, like it it it's kind of like a neat like it's it's obviously like a play on the typical like spherical UFO such or I whatever the hell UAP or UAP well, whatever thing. IKEA whatever it is <laughs> and I I kind of like that it was like it was it seemed like it was a play off of the spherical saucer but kind of like more of like an organic like almost like Fibonacci like um swirl like like um shell kind of design to it mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I kind of dug it and I like the fact that it was like I don't know it morphed before morphing was a thing and it and it uh and it kind of like turned into a little bit more aerodynamic like kind of like a I when it was ready to go into super speed kind of thing I love the design of it I think that it works really well in the way that it was put together I did think that and I have to give leeway for the time and the effects at the time is when there was an actual cuz I mean uh, I think Bobby, you're the one who shared the link about the behind the scenes or whatever mm-hmm. for, for this movie a while back. And when you saw the practical ship, it was more of a, I don't know what you'd call it in car terms or whatever, but it was definitely a little bit more matte than it was. Like a matte chrome. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it definitely wasn't like shiny chrome, but whenever you got to the CG sure. version, it was shiny chrome. Right. Um, and again, the time, you know, I'm sure, you know, they, they didn't have the kind of, you know, uh, approach to doing that sort of texture and, you know, uh, reflective maps or whatever that would go on to it nowadays. But, um, yeah, I, th- I thought it looked pretty cool. I, you know, this was like T, you know, the T 1000 before there was a T 1000. Mm-hmm. To even did, get into the shifting that they show. Yeah. I know. Did this, did this inspire the T 1000 for <laughs> no, James that Cameron? Would be amazing. It was pretty impressive. All that stuff was pretty impressive, I thought. When you think of it as more of like the photochemical, like compositing era, and like all the stuff that they had to do, like I think there's a lot of like hidden wizardry in this movie that like we just kind of take for granted these days because, you know, like someone with a Mac laptop can do some of this stuff. But I mm-hmm. think that in the photochemical, compositing era the stuff was like really hard like i know there are some like forced perspective shots and 
some other kind of like various like trickery and compositing and in-camera stuff that's not typically done these days, I think. Mm -hmm. So NASA locks David up in a very creepy room with a two-way mirror, but he gave him a lot of cool toys. A lot of cool toys. Worth it to me, man. Shoot. Mommy's <laughs> <laughs> like, sign me up for this creepy oh, room. Yeah. Someone's just going to bring me food and then they're going to give me all these toys. I'm down with this. He never got the McDonald's, though. So he that's a deal got breaker. The McDonald's. Yeah. And so we do meet Sarah Jessica Parker, who is playing Carolyn McAdams, who is the, 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 the guide for a robot or the, the person who hangs out with the robot. What is she the intern? They said, and she just has to monitor that the robot can go where it needs to go on its own. Even though we learn later that it absolutely can go very long distances on its own. Well, they said it makes mistakes. So it's gotta, so she's, she's gotta be there to, to uh, take care of it. Now she ends up being the person that helps him. I'm going to put this in quotes escape, but, that whole process, I think I wrote down, how did she know to have the machine send him to the to the saucer? Like, if her goal was helping him to get out, why wasn't it like, oh, I need to go li- deliver to the security guard gate so you can run away? Why was it like, let me take you into the specific hangar? Oh, I just assume he instructed her to do that because it was communicating with him. Did I make a okay? Did I make a <laughs> did I make a leap of plot hole faith there, <laughs> Matt? What happened? Help me out. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, like I guess, I guess I'm like you. I just kind of assumed. That, I don't know. There was some. There was a few weird things about that whole sequence that didn't quite add. I mean, from I mean, I think you even brought it up the fact that you know, uh, it just kind of went from point A to point B. Like we the lack of Mm -hmm. security in this entire place was almost comical. And the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, he was able to get into the robot and then it go to exactly where he wanted. I mean, I guess to give it credit or whatever, I'm sure that it had to make deliveries in these places or whatever. So it's probably pre-programmed for some of these spots, but I don't know. It was a weird sequence. It was just to get him there. I guess that robot was weird thing we could do. Yes. Well, Okay, this is where we eventually get introduced to the robot we care about. I'm calling him a robot. We could call it a sentient alien species How if you want. How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> That's a derogatory term, sir. <laughs> uh, he gets into the ship because this is where he'd been for, for four hours in his, you know, in his time. Uh, eight years in Earth time because he was traveling near the speed of light to unknown star maps that we as humans haven't done yet. Um, and the ship just says, hey, come on in. And he does, because what else would you do as an inquisitive kid? And then we get introduced to Max. What was your reaction when you first heard Max's voice? You know, it's weird. I thought he always had the Paul Rubin voice the entire yeah, time. Yeah, so same. when he had a very like automaton level uh voice and uh uh you know a way of speaking to him it kind of threw me for a loop because i was imagining the Wee herman off the bat yeah. mm-hmm. i, like, I kind of oh. like the automaton version situation, though yeah better than compliance <laughs> i did actually yes <laughs> yeah. well that does let me ask this question because i think as a kid 
being a fan of Pee Wee Herman as a kid, I was like, oh man, this is all Pee Wee Herman out. That's fantastic. As an adult, <laughs> is it me or did they go full Pee Wee Herman? Like, why did they, why did they do it so much? Yeah, no, they really did. And it was a little bit much, I think. And I think that's why I like the automaton because I have the comparison between the two. It drove me a little batty. Because it's one of those where the first time and you're like, ah, look, Pee Wee Herman, how funny. But they brought the laugh in just over and over and over again. And I couldn't. I just couldn't. I wanted I wanted the same thing. I wanted the regular, just give me a robot voice. Sorry, uh, sentient robotic species thing. <laughs> Sorry, man. Is that, it, wait, is that like part of the ship? Like it never leaves the ship? It's like. It is the ship. Or is I mean, like I guess okay. Thing? No, no, I'm the one making assumptions. Yes, that's what I thought. I mean, it seems Wait, like you... it, right? It doesn't like it can't it can't separate from the ship. Okay, do you think there was a species back on Phalon? Yeah, I think there was some kind of like alien that built this thing to do its work for it. So let's talk about its work. Its work is to get. A, an example of a species from a planet and then return it back to its planet after it's studied it or, or harvested its brain for storage for data storage is that the understanding yeah to try to to try to see like what what species it could it could like store star maps in or something well but that was i don't know if that was necessarily the intention because the way that it was presented when he uh when max brought that up to him was the idea that they're like, okay, well, when examining you, we found that you only use 10% of your brain. And we thought that was a terrible waste of space. So we just crammed a bunch of data in there to basically, you know, make you useful. Or to, right. That's or, why he needed it back to leave, not why they started it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So he did a transfer and not a copy. Kind of seems that's that a way. bad mistake on his end. <laughs> You got to have so backups, th- man. Backups. So we're thinking there is like an actual alien species who created Max so that Max could go out, discover creatures that they can study, and then put them back in their correct timeline. Right. And then they just come back with all this data that the aliens can research. And they don't have to risk their getting. Maybe they get vaporized in the time travel, the aliens do. So. They have to have the robots do it for them. Oh, that's an interesting idea. They can get other species that could also potentially be vaporized, but they themselves are 100% capable of being vaporized, so they don't do it. I like it. I see where you're going there. I'm totally okay with it. Let's talk about the thing that I feel like is the key of enjoyment of me watching this film as a child. Did you or did you not want to fly the ship? I kind of wanted to fly the ship. I liked the like two... It's kind of been done in other movies, but I like the like two joysticks as opposed to the singular like one that's in the middle. I thought that was like kind of like a unique design. You mean instead of using like a regular helicopter design? Right. Or like a yoke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I did to be honest. Um I do remember distinctly loving the way that the ship morphed during the different modes mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I also very much remember as a kid thinking that chair looks very uncomfortable and I still feel that way. Yes. It looks so uncomfortable. No lumbar support. 
But I did want to walk and like touch the ship. Oh, it yeah. looks super tactile. So like it, it since it was all chrome, it'd just be fingerprints everywhere. And Max is yelling to get out the microfiber to clean <laughs> clean it up. Like make it shiny again, please. It looks terrible. Um yeah, I think I totally wanted to fly the ship more than anything. We have just interesting moments he's flying about. They they spend a lot of time with just like earth confusion. Oh, I'm up in space 20 miles. Now I'm way 20 miles here. And oh, now we're in Tokyo. And yeah, let's was, go to the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, That was kind of like a fun way to show off what the ship could do and show off some like awesome helicopter footage. But I did feel like it kind of like dragged on a bit. That helicopter footage, though. <laughs> How much money do you think they spent on that? <laughs> the entire budget. Right. It was like CG and the budget for the helicopters. And that was it. And they spent like $20 on the actors. It's like, oh. It was like scenic shot after scenic shot after scenic shot of just a helicopter flying through. They're like, escape. we have this scene where we're going to land on the alien planet and meet with the aliens. Oh, wait, but we need the helicopter footage. So we'll just <laughs> cut the we'll cut the alien scene. Uh, to the point that we even, even commented that they had to run it through the entire credits. But before we get to the credits... Um, he makes it back and he makes a very important decision because Max told him, you need to stay with your family. That's where you belong. It's too dangerous for you to time warp. And he decides to take the risk that because this family is not the family he knows from eight years ago, he needs to take the chance on getting vaporized to go back home to his actual family. Um, when we think of time travel, was I the only one going timeline, the timeline, what are you doing here? <laughs> Altering the future. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the the part of me that's a, a nerd now, I feel like there's so much stuff, you know, in astrophysics that you could totally just play with in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if a 90-minute movie for kids... <laughs> would really delve into that all too much because i yeah it, you know there's the whole idea that like technically you know even if you went back in time this might be a slightly alternate version of it and you know you know butterfly effect and somehow the mm-hmm. ship the ship going through time or whatever slightly affected it in a different way or i don't i guess the part of it that kind of bothered me is um when you look at some of the movies that are in the same realm as uh, this movie uh, E.T., Close Encounters. Um, I feel like they, uh, I think Steven Spielberg had said, it's like, at the end of the day, like, you know, E.T. wasn't a movie about an alien. It was a movie about a family going through divorce or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that this movie was kind of lacking a little bit, that it didn't have that thing that, like, you know, you know, he didn't run away from home, right? He didn't um, go through a scenario where I feel like, you know, they would have thought that maybe he had left or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like the cathartic nature of his return was just kind of like, not, nothing really changed. Nothing like he just has, you know, a little alien now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets, he, he, well, he has a love for his family. Right. He like, he, he seems like he's going to be better off with his brother. Cause he realizes that his brother isn't just a total pain. Yeah. But his brother was the problem in the first place. So like it's not like he was a problem for his brother, but then again, I mean, again, back to Back to the Future, when Marty mm-hmm. comes back and like his his family is, you know, 
whatever they were when he came back wearing suits right. and ties and right. rich. And I guess being rich makes you happy. So, and better. They had more cars now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to leave that loaded statement alone. <laughs> Is it me or was Max when the actual time travel is happening, which kudos to the, uh, moving through space time with the lightning triggering, um, as a kid, and I still kind of felt this when he's going through that process and the red comes over the eye and the, the water's like spinning. I just always thought at that point, Max was turning evil. Mm. I can't help it. I know red shouldn't be seen that way, but it just felt ominous, even though he was trying to do right by the kid. I mean, I think he was red in the beginning when you first see him too. So that might've been some like trying to be like, okay, we're not, you're not sure if this is a bad situation for the kid or a good situation. So two questions. First one is why do they hate geeks so much? <laughs> they were just mean. There, to there, was a, their... there was a lot of hate in this movie towards a lot of different groups. <laughs> yeah, actually there was. <laughs> there that was probably is the, the more problematic portion of this. <laughs> there were some, uh, some nuts, not some uh, great jokes going on for what was a kid's movie. And it lasts. I think the other thing I'll ask is a, uh, should we get a remake of this? It'd be fun for kids again, right? Uh, you know, I was thinking about this as we were watching it. Remake versus mm-hmm. a sequel. Um, where we get a uh, adult version of, uh, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? David. Um, mm-hmm. And Max comes back for whatever reason versus a reboot. Because like, I can see a reboot, but mm-hmm. like I wonder like what story do you tell to make it work? Because I feel like this right. movie had a lot of stuff, but I feel like the uh the central story of it like i couldn't really tell you what the actual plot of this movie was right like i can tell you things that happened but i like for example like was max needing to get back to his planet in order to save them or you know did david need to get back to his house in order to make it in time to prevent his family from getting arrested or you know any number of things like there was no you know, uh, plot line for it to follow. There was, you know, the time travel stuff like that part of it was interesting, but then by the end of it, I was like, I really don't know where this story is actually really going. So maybe in a sequel, you could actually have it where, you know, I don't know, maybe the, the whole press, like the thing that kind of triggers everything is the fact that him and his brother get into a fight and the brother falls off cliff Mm -hmm. and dies or something. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. like they take him back right before that happens. So he could, you know, you know, stop that from happening or any, you know, just something like maybe a remake would kind of benefit from that. Having a, a more coherent reason for the movie to kind of exist. Plus more, you know, drone shots, you know, got to get all those 8k drone shots now. Um, I mean, it would be nice, <laughs> <laughs> but I think a sequel could be interesting too, to kind of see, you know, a grown up David. Cause like what, this was 78, he was 12. So what would he be now? Like, old yeah so his 60s (laughs) so have max come back to visit him before he dies or something and then have you know his grandson or you know a neighbor or something kind of have an adventure with max i was i was waiting for you to spin this to start describing the adam project they need to bring that little puppet guy back puppet guy yeah the little little creature with the strings that we can see they tried 
They did try. It was okay. <laughs> well, like I was saying, like I'd love to see them do Max with an actual modern robotic arm with all the stuff that we have, mm-hmm. you know, for precise control and everything. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's time to ask the question, Bobby. You watching this for your kids, or are you just watching this on your own because you love the Navigator so much? I'm watching this on my own. Too much swearing, so for my kids. So <laughs> what a whole one, <laughs> a whole one. But that is a lot. There's kids' cartoons with more than that these days. <laughs> no, I mean, I I wasn't sure coming back to this movie again. It's been a super long time since I've seen it, but I was pretty entertained throughout. So. I wouldn't mind watching this again and putting it in. I mean, like it's got, it's like eighties quirk, but to me it's more of like a time weird time situation than it is like mm-hmm. being, the movie sucks. So I, the eighties quirk is a good way of, of looking at it. Matt, you recommending this one? You know, I love this movie as a kid and I was 50% scared, 50%, 50% excited to watch this again. I couldn't tell you when I watched this last, I'll say 30 years ago. Um, honestly, I would rather see the remake or the sequel at this point <laughs> than, than, watch, than recommend this, I think. It's, it's, it's tough because I think the things that made me love it as a kid are still in there, right? That, that kind of gave me that excitement of it. And like I said, the things we liked about the ship and how it morphed and really just that desire to fly it. Um, but as an adult, especially with some of the crass humor um, that we did get and kind of going like, huh, well, you know, we could probably do this a little bit differently. I'd still watch it, but can someone please just either remake it or do the sequel? Just do it for us. Because I, I think in this day and age, it can be elevated to a whole other whole other tier um with that said as always thank you for listening and remember i do not leak you leak 